Well, those are uh, some of the highlights of things that have happened here at Crosspoint. Uh, most of those things uh, happened this past year, and uh, it's funny, you know, I forget that some of those things have happened until I see that video and reminded that, oh yeah, we did that. It's been a, it's been an interesting uh, two years, an exciting two years at uh, Crosspoint, and uh, it's been an exciting journey. And we're going to talk about that some this morning. I tell you, before we do that, I, I just want to take a minute and uh, and pray. I uh, just uh, as I, we were setting up and stuff today. Uh, just had a realization that there are so many people who are uh, suffering from sickness right now, and I just want to take a minute and pray for those people. Um, one of our technical guys was here this morning setting up and ended up uh, taking off because he's got some stuff going on, and I, I just uh, am prompted that uh, I want to pray for uh, him and for others that are just uh, suffering from physical illness right now. So let's do that, okay? God, uh, you are the great physician and the great healer, and Father, there are so many people that I know of, so many names that uh, run through my mind right now, and I'm sure in this room there are all kinds of names that come to the minds of people who are suffering from physical illness in a lot of different ways. And God, in each of those cases, I ask that you would bring the healing that is needed, God, that they would sense your presence and your love in their life, and Father, that you would just restore them to good health and good energy and allow them, Father, to function in the way that their body is intended to function. Thank you, God, for hearing us. Thank you for being there, and thank you for being the great healer in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I don't know if you saw the news story out of uh, San Antonio several months ago. I think this happened. Uh, it was a, a September day, 99-degree heat, and somehow a 10-month-old baby got locked in a car by his aunt. The aunt and the mother were frantically trying to figure out a way to get into the car. A neighbor had a coat hanger and was uh, trying to undo the lock. By the time that uh, a, a tow truck driver named Aurelio got there, Frank, uh, the baby was beginning to actually turn purple. And uh, Frank, when he pulled up to the scene, immediately reacted. He grabbed a hammer out of his truck, smashed in the rear window, and uh, freed the baby from that car. Now, you'd think Frank was a hero, right? Well, Frank later said that the woman was actually mad at him for breaking the rear window of, his, of her car. And he said, I couldn't believe that. I, I thought, what's more important, a window or a baby? But you know what? Any of us can get our priorities out of order, can't we? It, it can happen to any of us. It can happen to groups of people. It can even happen to churches at times. And so I want to spend some time today reflecting on what matters most at Crosspoint. Because I want to make sure that we keep our priorities in order because it is easy to slide into the idea that the window is more important than the baby. Now, I've uh, spent some time uh, over this past week kind of reflecting on Crosspoint and who we are. And I was actually looking at some material that I had written prior to the start of Crosspoint about what I, the kind of church that I thought God was calling us to start. And as I read through that, i got to tell you, I was somewhat encouraged. Because as I read through that material, I thought to myself, we are becoming that kind of church. Now, not that we're perfect yet by any stretch of the imagination, but we are growing in the right direction. And so today, I want to reflect on a story that uh, happened in Jesus' life, and I want us to look at the priorities of Crosspoint and talk and remind all of us what matters most at Crosspoint. Now, this story about Jesus is found in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It's an encounter that he has. It's a very brief encounter, but I think it has a lesson to teach us about what matters most. Luke chapter 5, as I said, verse 27, if you want to open your Bibles there, that'd be great, or if you want to follow along on the screens. 
It says this, after this, and after this is simply the fact that Jesus had recently healed a paralyzed man. And after healing that paralyzed man, there was some questioning from the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And Jesus talked to them about whether or not he really had the power to offer forgiveness from sins. And so after that encounter of healing this man and dealing with the Pharisees once again, this happens. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, a tax collector, as you've heard before, was not the most popular person in their culture. In fact, uh, he was the worst of sinners in a lot of people's minds. And so Jesus' encounter with this guy was not somebody that people would normally have wanted to spend a lot of time with. But Jesus encounters him. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Then Jesus simply says, follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, here's what strikes me about this brief encounter. Jesus' invitation to Levi was simply to come and follow him. It was not an invitation to join some kind of organization or religious movement. Jesus' invitation simply was to become part of the kingdom of God by following Jesus. It was an invitation not to rules and rituals. It was an invitation to a relationship that was both real and relevant. And so I've been asking myself, what does the life of someone who is simply following Jesus look like i mean isn't that the goal to live like someone who is following jesus to value what he values to to be like jesus to love people the way he loves people to serve the way that he serves to deal with life's ups and downs life's struggles the way that he deals with life and ultimately then together for us to be the kind of church that jesus would be part of I've been reading a, a book called uh, Jim and Casper Go to Church. Uh, it's a story about Jim Henderson, who is a Christ follower and a, a leader, and um, this uh, atheist named Casper. And here's basically what happened. Jim Henderson got this idea that he would invite Casper, and that really is his name, uh, an atheist, to go to several churches across America and to visit these churches with him and from his viewpoint of being an atheist to give some feedback and perspective on what he would encounter in those churches and so basically the book uh, details their travels as they went from church to church and if you've been around church at all and i mentioned some of the names of these larger churches in america a lot of you would recognize them and uh, they travel from church to church and then at each place casper sort of gives his feedback from his atheist perspective on what he sees happening in that church there are several things that struck me as I read this book, but one is a question that Casper keeps asking over and over again. And he keeps asking, is that what Jesus told you guys to do? Interesting, isn't it? And as I thought about that question, I thought, you know what? I want to make sure, to the best of my ability, that Crosspoint is a church where when that question was asked, we could honestly say, yes, that is exactly what Jesus asked us to do as followers of His. Now, our priority at Crosspoint is to be the kind of church, of, to be the kind of followers that Jesus tells us to be. And as we work at being the kind of followers that Jesus tells us to be, then I think we will become the kind of church that Jesus would want us to be. And I think our seven core values at Crosspoint point us in the right direction 
of being the kind of followers that Jesus would want us to be. And so today I want to take a look at these seven core values and remind all of us that these are what matter most here at Crosspoint. So let's run through these. Value number one, the Bible is our authority for life. The Bible is our authority for life. A lot of you know I am a big fan of Andy Stanley, who is the pastor of a large church in Atlanta. And a lot of the reason that I'm a fan of his, partly because he's a great leader, secondly, I think he is one of the best Bible teachers of our generation. And I just feel like when I listen to him, there is a lot I can learn about how he teaches the Bible in a way that is relevant to people, in a way that people can really own what's being said. And so I, on a regular basis, I probably listen to one or two Andy Stanley talks a week. Now, not because I want to, in this case, be Andy Stanley by any stretch of the imagination, but I think there are some things I can learn from him. And so as I listen, as I expose myself to him, I am learning some of the ways that he has become an effective teacher. Now, in a bit of a different way, our goal is to be like Jesus but unless we expose ourselves to his teaching on a regular basis, it's not likely that we will really become like him unless we are learning from him. And the way that we learn from him is by exposing ourselves to the Bible because it's his story. And really, the Bible becomes our story. You know, the Bible is filled with amazing stories and life-changing wisdom. And if you're not exposing yourself to that on a regular basis, you're robbing yourself of part of what God wants you to have in your relationship with Him. Listen to what 2 Timothy has to say about the value of the Bible in our lives. From the message, it says this, Every part of Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, every part of Scripture is not the creation of man. Every part of Scripture is the creation and, and the words of God. And he goes on to say, And it is useful one way or another for four things. It is useful, first of all, for showing us the truth. You know what, there is nowhere else in our culture, or at least few other places in our culture today, where we find absolute truth. The Bible is the place and the source of absolute truth for our lives. It is a book that gives us the guardrails for life. It is a standard of truth to live by. And one of the benefits that we get when we expose ourselves to it is that we know truth. Secondly, he says it is useful for exposing our rebellion. Now, that's not fun, isn't it? We don't like to have our rebellion exposed. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need that to be exposed, don't we? So that we can deal with it and correct it. He says it's useful for correcting our mistakes. And I don't know about you, but I make a lot of mistakes in life. And I need some help knowing how to correct those mistakes. And then finally, and underline this part, it is useful for training us to live God's way. In other words, it is useful for training us to be like Jesus. And that's the goal. That's the goal of being a Christ follower, is to be like Jesus. And the Bible is the source for becoming that. Value number two, life happens best in authentic community. 
Jesus modeled the value of relationally connecting to a small group of people. For him, it was his 12 disciples, those 12 guys that were his closest followers that he was pouring his life into. I mean, their lives were woven together. They ate together, they traveled together, they talked together, they needed each other. And throughout the Bible, God places a very high value on community and on being relationally connected to other followers. In fact, listen to how the early church is described in Acts 4.32. Acts is really a book of the Bible that is the history of the early or the ancient church. And in Acts 4.32, it describes a group of believers this way. It says, The group of believers were united in their hearts and spirit. All those in the group acted as though their private property belonged to everyone in the group. In fact, they shared everything. God has created us to be relational people. I think Henry Cloud says it well when he says, God created us with a hunger for relationship. At our very core, we are relational beings. The soul cannot prosper without being connected to others. Did you catch that? The soul cannot prosper without being connected to others. And I would say, based on what the Bible teaches, he's right. God created us to be relationally connected and for us to be wired in such a way that we don't prosper, our soul doesn't, isn't healthy unless we are relationally connected. And at Crosspoint, the primary way that we are living this out is through our life groups. And we're happy that nearly 50% of our adults are connected to a life group that meets weekly in someone's home to study the Bible and to share our lives. I mean, i got to tell you that my life group that I go to uh, is one of the highlights of my week. And it is in our life groups that people are finding a place where they can share our lives, where they can care for others, and where they can be cared for. I was thinking yesterday just of some of the things that I know about that life groups have done to demonstrate care for one another. I know of more than one instance where life groups have um, taken care of financial needs, where they've known of somebody in their group who was having a difficult financial time, and so they have collected money for them together, and sometimes fairly large sums, and just given it to them and said, here, we want to bless you. I know of many instances when people have come home from the hospital that their life group has provided meals for them and taking care of them in that way. I know a, a lot of uh, help in moving has happened because of life groups. Uh, child care emergencies have been taken care of through life groups. Uh, support through all kinds of difficult struggles have happened within the context of life groups where people are relationally connected. Now, I know one mold doesn't fit all. And there are the exceptions where being a part of life group for one reason or another hasn't worked for some. But the reality is most of us need to be in a life group. We need to be somewhere where we are relationally connected to other people. Otherwise, we are missing out on a big piece of what God wants us to experience as followers of Jesus. Value number three that's important to us. Pointing people to Jesus should be a daily habit. Pointing people to Jesus should be a daily habit. Let's go back to the story in Luke chapter 5, Jesus' brief encounter there. He's called Levi to follow, and Levi says, I'm going to follow. Look what happens then in verse 29. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, Jesus did this a lot. You know who he spent a lot of time with? Sinners. People who were living their lives 
far from God, and Jesus intentionally invested in them to help them find their way back to God. Now, the religious people of that day sometimes didn't understand. In fact, look what happens next in verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious types, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why do you hang out with these people who are far from God? Well, Jesus must have overheard them because in verse 31 he answers, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was all about hanging out with people who were far from God and helping them find their way back to God. Jesus was all about pointing people to God on a daily basis. In fact, Luke 19.10 says this about Jesus. It says, The Son of Man, or Jesus, came to find lost people and save them. That was Jesus' primary purpose in coming, was to help people find their way back to God. Now, when we talk about, in our lives, pointing people to Jesus, we are not talking about a project to be completed or a trophy to be won. We are talking about friends to be cherished. We're talking about loving people enough to help them find their way back to God. You know what? At Crosspoint, we are not here to do church every week. We're not. Crosspoint is here to help connect people to a relationship with Jesus and then to help them connect to a community of Christ followers. All this stuff that we do here every week, people who show up here early in the morning and set up and sweat and work to have everything prepared, people who are serving right now in Kid Point, people who serve at our courtyard cafe or come early and greet or do name tags, people who will stay late today and sweat some more to tear down and put all this stuff back in a truck and a trailer. You know why we do that every week? It is not so we can simply do church. And it is not so that those of us who are already living in a relationship with God can be comfortable here. We do all of this every week primarily because we want to help people who are far from God find their way back. We want to connect people into a relationship with Jesus. And quite honestly, from my heart, the day it ever becomes just about doing church, I'm not really interested in being part of it. I'm interested in being part of a place like this is, where our heart is about reaching people who are far from God and helping them find their way back. Look, now listen to how God feels about people. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says this in the message translation. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, talking about God, he had us in mind. Now that us is not just us who are in the room this morning. That us is every human being God has ever created. Every person that you have ever locked eyes with is part of that us. He had us in mind, had settled on us, everyone, as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Now think about it. How many people do you know in your life that need to be made whole? Maybe in this coming year, God is going to give you the opportunity to help point them to a relationship with Jesus where they can find the wholeness that they need. There are over 171,000 people just in the city of Cape Coral. And an awful lot of them are living far from God. They need to be whole. 
And I believe with all of my heart that God is counting on Crosspoint to help some of them, in fact, many of them, find their way back to God. Value number four. Christ followers use their gifts to serve our community and each other. Christ followers use their gifts to serve our community and each other. Would you say this word with me? Every. Now you say it. Every. One more time. Every. Okay? Every Christ follower. Not just a few, not just the people in this section, not just the few that are sitting back here. Every Christ follower has been given gifts or abilities or talents, whatever term you want to use, by God with the expectation that we would use those abilities to serve others. And I think there are a couple of contexts that God invites us to use those gifted gifts in. Now, around here, I think we ought to value otherliness. I know that's not really a word, but here's how I would define otherliness. Otherliness is people like us following in the footsteps of Jesus by focusing on others and serving others. The focus is not me, the focus is others. I think one of the contexts where God invites us to use those abilities that we've been given is, is in the context of this church family. Finding a place within the context of what we do around here where you can plug in and serve others and bless somebody else who's a part of what we're doing at Crosspoint. The second place that I think that God invites us to use those abilities is by serving our community. Again, as I was reading the book, Jim and Casper Go to Church, there was a second thing that really stuck out to me in this book. Casper, the atheist, as he went to a number of these churches, the places that he was most drawn to, the places that he was most open about, were the places where he could look around and say, these people are doing something to serve their community. And quite honestly, the churches where he couldn't see where that was happening, he was really turned off by it. Now, I know he's just one voice, and other people might respond in different ways, but I think there's some real truth there. People are looking to see whether or not we genuinely care by whether or not we are willing to engage the needs of our community. And I desperately want that to be the reputation at Crosspoint. I want us to be known as a church that genuinely cares about the community that we live in. And that's why we do so many of the things that we do through Action 365. I mean, that's why we pick up trash after Mariner football games. That's why we have people who are involved in building houses for Habitat for Humanity. That's why we'll do our big family fest that's coming here just in a few weeks. That's why I think we have a group of people that I think monthly still go out to the Ronald McDonald House and, and serve out there people who are involved, serving our community, communicating to people around us, we genuinely care. Value number five. God desires an intimate, growing relationship with each of us. God desires an intimate, growing relationship with each of us. Our administrative assistant, Kim, recently brought a, a plant into the office, and it's a really nice-looking green plant. I don't have any idea what kind of plant it is, but it looks really nice sitting there. I have discovered it is a very needy plant. Yeah, it, it really is. It, it can only go, it seems like, a few days, a couple days, and it needs water. I noticed Thursday, Kim's been out of town on vacation. I noticed Thursday that all the leaves were wilted over, and it reminded me that one of the things she said to me before she left, could you water the plant at some point? And so I got some water and poured it on there. And yesterday when I went into the office for a little while, the leaves were all back up and happy again, you know? I don't know if other people watered it too, and 
Maybe it'll die in a few days because three or four of us watered it and we didn't know it. But this plant is really needy. It must have nourishment on a regular basis. You know what? God has wired us up as human beings spiritually to be very needy. We need a regular intake of spiritual nourishment if we're going to be healthy and flourish in the way that God intended for us to flourish. When our sons were born, both of them, you know, for those first couple of years, we had to feed them. But in those early days of feeding them, it was always with the goal in mind that they would learn eventually to feed themselves. And we accomplished the goal. They do extremely well at feeding themselves. My responsibility now is just to try to keep enough food in the house to keep them satisfied. When people come to Christ, in those early days, I think it's our responsibility as a church to help them learn to feed themselves with an expectation that as time goes along, they will develop the ability to be self-feeders. That it will be our responsibility to make sure there's some stuff around for them to have to find nourishment but ultimately the responsibility of growing in their relationship with god and feeding themselves spiritually it becomes their responsibility and we're trying to model that and teach that here and we realize that's something we're going to really work on and in the first half of this year dan jeffrey has taken on the challenge we're going to roll out some brand new things that are really different, I think, from have been done very many other places that we think are relevant to the way that we live our lifestyles, but will be some tools where you can begin to do exactly what Christ followers ought to do, and that is learn how to feed yourself. Because if you're dependent on nourishment, on just what you get here on the weekends, I don't care how good I might be, it's not enough to really help you to grow, to flourish in the way that God wants you to be. And believe me, I don't have any illusions that I'm all that good to begin with, so... Value number six, God's grace is extended freely. God's grace is extended freely. I want you to think back to the point in your life before you became a Christ follower, when you were still living with the guilt of your own sin. And then I want you to listen to these words that are found in the Bible, again from the message. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boats. <laughs> it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, Immense in mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. And you know what? Followers of Jesus will be dispensers of that kind of grace. And Crosspoint is a place where people find grace, not contempt, Love, not judgment. Help, not exclusion. We expect people to come here with messed up lives. And we understand that the process of cleaning up messed up lives takes a lot of time. And you know what we're discovering? Extending that kind of grace is messy at times. It is. But that's okay. 
Because watching God transform that mess into something beautiful is worth it every time. I wish I could tell you some stories. It's just not appropriate. But I wish that you get, could see what I get to watch sometimes. The way that God is doing that in people's lives. And how He is transforming them slowly. And He is helping them clean up messes and bring beauty. It's an awesome thing to be part of. Value number seven. We follow a big God. The God of the Bible who parted the sea, the God who created the universe, the God who made the blind man see and the lame man walk, the God who fixed broken hearts and broken lives is the same God that we worship and serve today. And at Crosspoint, we don't ever want to underestimate the power of God to work in our lives to do big things, to do incredible things. Those are the things that matter most around here. Those are the things that we're committed to living out. As I was going through all of that material that I, uh, from the days before we started Crosspoint, I found this poem that I had read uh, in a speaking engagement. I want to close with it this morning because I think it describes the kind of place that we want to be. It's called, I Stand at the Door. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they as much as I crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where the door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing that any man can do is to take hold of one of those blind, groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the man's own touch. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find Him. So I stand by the door. I admire people who go way in but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. You can go in too deeply and stay in too long and forget people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear Him and know He is there, but not so far from men as to not hear them and remember they are there too. Where? Outside the door. One of them, two of them, ten of them, whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I had rather be a doorkeeper. So I stand by the door. Some of you are looking for that door and wondering, how do I get in? How do I get back to God? And I want you to know this morning that after our service, some of us will be right down here in front. We'd love to talk with you and help you find the door to that relationship with Jesus so that you could begin to follow too. Let's pray together. God, would you help us to be people? Would you help us to be a church that stands by the door? That stands there, God, helping people find their way back to you. Help us not to go too far in that we get so comfortable just being a church that we forget you've put us here to help us connect people to Jesus Christ. And then 
to a community of believers. And God, would you help us every day to ask the question, what does it look like to really follow Jesus? And then would you help us to live that out? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.